we are back for our fifth, I think it's the fifth, <laughs> and final episode about play. Um, this episode is kind of two episodes combined in one because they would have been really short episodes, and I was like, you know, they kind of go hand in hand, so let's just stick them together and do one episode and be done. Um... I'm batch recording episodes today, and this is the third episode I've recorded today, and I still have two more that I wanted to do, so I'm feeling a little burnt out. So we're going to be short and sweet with this one, which I'm sure, as the listener, you're like, awesome, Marissa, because you tend to ramble on, and let's just get to the point. (laughs) So anyways, today we're going to talk about ways to encourage play, and then also how to incorporate more play into your life as an adult. All right, let's get started. Hello, I'm Marissa, a certified, licensed, and practicing pediatric occupational therapist. And this is OT with Marissa. Here we will review common terminology and topics, chat about daily OT practices, and provide simple but effective tools and strategies you can implement with the child or children in your life. Whether you're thinking about a career in occupational therapy, or a current student, new grad, or seasoned therapist, my hope is this podcast has something to offer you to learn, grow, and be the best therapist you can. I'm so happy you're here. All right, so let's talk about ways that you can encourage play. This could be how you encourage play with your own kids, how as a clinician, maybe you encourage play. Um, Maybe even if you're playing with your niece, your nephew, your younger cousins, your own kids, whomever, how to not only encourage play with them, but how to encourage your own abilities to play with them. Um, because sometimes as an adult, it is hard to play with kids. Um, it's definitely a skill. So I just real quick want to go back to the ingredients of play. And we talked about this in the first part episode, play part one, when I discussed like, what is play? And I went over these ingredients of play, just like you would have ingredients in a recipe and Like with any recipe, you don't need every single ingredient in your kitchen, but how you put these ingredients together can really impact the outcome of whatever it is that you're making, but also with the outcome of the play. So some of our ingredients of play, I'm just going to list them off, were spontaneity and joy, make-believe. We talked a lot about like dramatic and fantasy play. Make-believe can kind of be wrapped up with those. Exploration, whether this is like imagination or sensory exploration. We need something new. We have to be encountering or unfolding something within play. Experimentation, trying new things. It has to be voluntary and motivating, right? Like you have to want to engage in it. That is what makes it fun. <laughs> Not because somebody's asking you to do it. There's a level of satisfaction involved with play, as well as discovery. So that idea of something new, whether you're discovering new skills, new confidence, or like literally in the play you're discovering something, because let's say items are hidden, you're on your scavenger hunt, etc. Creativity. 
play is all about creativity as well as decision making. And I think the most important element of play is freedom of expression and really having the opportunity to be authentically yourself in whatever modality of play you're engaging in. So that's all fun and dandy, Marissa, great. But how do you actually encourage play within your sessions, when you're with your kids, in the car on the way to grandma's house, right? Like how do you actually facilitate and encourage play? First of all, kids are probably naturally naturally going to want to play anyway, so just allowing them to play and not being the barrier to play is number one. So creating this open space where they feel comfortable and confident being themselves and playing with your presence is super important. I remember as a kid, I would play in my room and like hear somebody peeking in the hallway and kind of like shut down or, you know, I really needed a safe place to be vulnerable and be able to play with adults in my presence. Um, And so just being that person that is offering that safe, encouraging energy around play, I think is number one. So that's on you. You don't need any equipment. You don't need any place in particular other than just how you're approaching a child during play and the energy you're bringing to that space, I think is critical. Next thing, let's think environment, right? We're going to kind of go big and and come in narrow. Um, Set up the environment that is allowing a space for play. And we've talked about this in some previous episodes where you can pretty much play anywhere, right? So out in nature, you can create a play space in the house. Therapeutic rooms are really... um, a great place to encourage play, having some things out and in sight that might ignite an idea or spark some play-based activity. So kind of having things with insight in that environment. Um, I go into the homes and I go into all sorts of different environments and not only am I part of that therapeutic process, right? I am the therapy, but I am creating not only that energy of a safe space for play, but the environment of which I'm around. So safety you have to take into consideration, right? Are there sharp sharp objects? Do we have um, a coffee table with a sharp corner? You know, are we in the kitchen and there's like a knife or a pot or a pan within reach and we just need to make sure it's pushed back or tucked away so that the space is physically safe for kids? Um, Another thing to think about with environment is sensory elements. Is it overwhelming? Is it too loud? Is it not engaging enough? Do we need to dim the lights? Can we turn on, you know, like some fun twinkly lights instead of like these overhead fluorescent lights? So think of each sense when you also think about setting up an environment for play. Okay, great, Marissa. That sounds awesome. I have a little playroom or I go into my therapy sessions and I've moved some things around. I've dimmed the lights. I've, you know, closed some of the curtain blinds. I've turned off the TV that the kid was watching prior to my session. Or, you know, I've I've set up this environment. 
great. What if I'm with my kids in the car on like the way to grandma's house? How am I facilitating play? Um, again, think of your environment. Okay, you are in a moving vehicle, you're pretty stationary, but is there something tactile that the kids can hold to engage in? Um, visual, think outside the windows. Are there things that you can look for, right? Like the ABC game. My dad used to make us play this ridiculous game in the car called Cow. And like literally you just look for cows and if you see one, you say cow and you count the number of times somebody sees a cow. It's ridiculous. You could use it with street signs. You could use it with houses. Everybody picks a color and they're looking out the window and they count the number of houses that they can find in their own color. And so like little Johnny found three blue houses and little Susie found four yellow houses, right? Like that's incorporating some visual elements bring in music. How can you play with music? Um, remember those games, like they were like category games where you would think of something and they'd have to like guess random things and figure out if it would go or not go. And so like, I could think of like the letter C and so people are guessing random things. And if they're like, can I bring a cat? I'd be like, yep, you can bring a cat, but you can't bring a dog. Right. And they have to try to figure out what's the, like the category. So many fun ways, but again, you are facilitating this and as the adult you are helping to create that space and that idea and also you need to be playing with them because hello that's what makes it fun and engaging is when the parents or the adults engage in the play okay you've set up the environment great another thing to think about um, and I kind of mentioned this before, is allowing toys to be seen. So this is really important as a clinician if, let's say, you want to engage in a lot of gross motor tasks with the kids. You're working on body awareness. You're working on some safety in their movement processing. And so your goal is to get them to climb under things or to stand on balance boards. Well, then hide the fine motor activities, put away the dollhouse, and get out the balance board, get out the BOSU ball, get out the things, set up an obstacle course before they walk in there, allow for some sensory items so that they have some place to go to to help self-regulate. But as the adult, put out what it is you want them to engage in, but let it be their idea. Let it be child-led. Um, another idea is to mix toys that don't necessarily go together. So this incorporates some of our loose parts play ideas where um, maybe you're babysitting and you don't have a lot of kids-based toys, but you get out some pots and pans and some wooden spoons and some toilet paper rolls and some empty like old vitamin, you know, containers and um, I don't know, like some rocks from the backyard and you put them all in the living room and it's like, they kind of don't go together, but they kind of can. And so you're facilitating play in that random, open-minded, um, open-ended way that like loose parts play creates. Um, another idea to help encourage play is to provide opportunities for both solitary play and play with others. So again, creating an inclusive space where if they wanted to join a group of people, they could, but there's also opportunities for them to play in solitude and maybe work on some of that confidence or self-regulation before they join the group. So having different options. This could look like you're having a bunch of your nieces and nephews over or your grandma and your grandkids are coming over and you have out a board game, but you also have out a dollhouse and maybe some building blocks. And those, there's three options. You're not overwhelming the kids, but also 
they have choices. Not too many choices, but enough choices. Um, my last piece of advice, again, I could go on for hours about ways to encourage play, but I'm trying to keep it short and sweet, is make play multi-sensory. As an OT, I'm all about, like, can we engage all the senses? Can we promote adaptation and integration of every single sense? So noises, sounds, songs, things like that. That's a real easy one to do in the car. Light up toys. Let's bring in the visual stuff, right? Let's make bathtub fun and let's put some glow sticks in there. Um, different textures like sand or shaving cream, maybe even play around with temperatures, right? Um, this could look like you're going to take some foam soap and put it on the walls in the bathtub. This looks like you're going to take out some flour and some water and some like old jello and now I'm getting gross and you're going to put it all in like um on like a baking sheet and all the kids are sitting at the table and they're just playing with textures. That's kind of fun. Maybe have them sit in a bin or um like a little um like those little like children's pools and you're putting in rice and beans and shaving cream and like tech all textures all tactile they're playing um oh cause and effect toys these are really fun and super engaging for kiddos that maybe are having a harder time engaging in play or don't quite have the sustained attention um really fun things are like anything you could knock down with a ball Right? So, like, you could get some bowling pins, but you could get some, like, old bottles standing up and, like, you roll the ball, you knock them down. Like, cause and effect. Um, marble run games are really fun. You know, you can put them on the fridge. They're magnetic. And, like, they go and then they drop in something. Um, anything that's, like, there's an instant I do this, there's an, an instant feedback is really engaging for a lot of kids, especially young kids. Um, I find I really like cause and effect toys for my autistic kids because it instantly grabs their attention and that's really fun and they really need something that's like short, sweet, to the point, engaging and like instantly rewarding. My last piece of advice in terms of ways to encourage play, and I'm pretty sure I just <laughs> said that make it multi-sensory was going to be my last piece, so this is a bonus piece, model play. Show them how to play. Again, you are the main facilitator. Be in the play with them. Show them how to play. Get down on your hands and knees. Roll around on the floor. Be expressive. Be that like main central wheel. If you think about like a bunch of gears turning, you're the big one in the middle turning all those other gears. Like you're the adult. You have children in your life, whether... They are family members, you are their therapist, they're your own children, you are part of this tribe, right? It takes a village to encourage and facilitate a child's growth and development in their purpose in life. You have a level of responsibility. Yes, sometimes kids need space to play if they feel confident doing that, but if they're having a difficult time playing... Be what they need. Be that role model. Demonstrate to them how to play and help give them the confidence to try it on their own. Okay, now we're going to take like 
a quick 180 and we're going to go the other way and we are going to talk about ways to play more as an adult. And I kind of think it all relates because if you can find ways to play more as an adult, you're better able to help the kids in your life play. Um, and it, it kind of is that whole theory of like, your cup needs to be full in order to spill out into others. And instead of just pouring out what's in you and draining yourself as you give on to others, you are filling yourself up and the extra is overflowing. Um, if that makes sense. So ways to play more as an adult. Number one, give yourself grace and allow for some discomfort. So a lot of the, um, the strategies or ideas that I have might seem a little bit like, mm, you're going to have a little bit of like a fixed mindset about. That's okay. Society has ingrained a fixed mindset into your adult brain. So we're just going to go rewind and allow ourselves to be like a child and feel a little bit vulnerable and a little bit uncomfortable and it's all going to be okay. And you're just going to create some grace and space for that. So give yourself some grace and space and allow yourself to feel a little bit uncomfortable and vulnerable in these new moments. It's okay. It's okay. That's how we grow. So I want you to embrace embarrassment a little bit and I want you to take your ego and I want you to turn it down a couple notches because that's what it's going to take for us to be playful is our ego's got to kind of step aside and we got to be uh, a little bit open-minded to feeling embarrassed and vulnerable. So that's my, <laughs> that's my number one tip. Um, and I know it's a lot harder um, to do it in real life. So again, I'm just, I want you to give yourself a little bit of grace on that one. Okay. My next piece of advice is incorporate something new, something novel into your life. And it can be so small. I think what keeps us from doing something new or playing is that it, it scares us. So make it small. Um, maybe this is once a month, you're going to eat out and try a new cuisine. Maybe you've never had Indian food before. Maybe you've never had sushi or maybe you've had sushi, but you've never tried raw sushi. Great. You're playing. Again, we're giving ourselves grace. Try something new. Maybe you're going to try a new recipe this week and you're going to cook with like fennel and you've never cooked with fennel before and it could turn out an absolute disgrace, that's okay. You can just call up your local pizza parlor and order a pizza if it's really that bad, but you gave your, yourself a little bit of space and grace to make a mistake and maybe it turns out absolutely wonderful and you realize you like fennel now. That's pretty cool. Um, so let's see, what are some other ideas I have? New hobbies. Um, Maybe you're going to pick up like golf or like I've recently gotten back into rock climbing and it's just like a new thing that I do. And I started going once a week and now I go like every other day because I started slow and we're building onto it, but it I just needed something new. I needed something like out of the normal routine to challenge me a little bit and that's what made it playful. Maybe it's a new gadget. Hello, like if you've ever had a new like fitness tracker or a new app on your phone, it's like, it's everything. <laughs> it's everything. And it starts to build a routine 
um, and new habits, but it's that initiation, right? It's like you just need something new to get you going. So if you can afford it, get yourself a fitness tracker. There's one bajillion out there. I have an Apple Watch. Some people have an Aura Ring. Some people have those other bands that doesn't doesn't have a screen, but they swear by, and then you track it on your phone. I like I like to to see it on my 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 watch. Um, a new gadget. A couple of years ago, I bought myself a fitness bike, not the Peloton, the Beachbody one, and it's like so much fun, so much fun. It was everything. New ga- Sometimes you just need a new gadget. Maybe it's even an old hobby, like you used to be really big into like pickleball. Pickleball is like a, a thing now. I've never played, but like everybody's talking about it. And you go out and you get yourself some new pickleball equipment. Um, or maybe you just take, like, I used to rollerblade, and I it, I have my mom's rollerblades from, like, the 80s or 90s. Thank goodness we were the same shoe size, or she was. Now she's, like, a size bigger than me, but her old rollerblades fit me. And I just went and I had them, um, like, realigned, and they did something to, like, the tracks in them, or did something to the wheels. Obviously, I'm not a big rollerblader, but, like, I got into rollerblading for one summer, and then, like, I didn't pick them up again. But that's okay. That's the point. It's something new. Maybe you have a new gadget. It's playful. There's grace and space to pick it up and put it down. Um, so that's that's another piece of advice that I have for you. My next piece of advice is change up your environment, right? So another form of play as an adult could be just, like, you always go to one coffee shop on a Saturday morning to catch up on your paperwork or to read the local news or whatever it is, go to a different coffee shop or go during the week. Maybe you go to the same coffee shop, but you're going at a different time of day. And so you're getting a different perspective and you're more likely to maybe run into people you don't typically see and strike up a conversation. Um, order something new, right? So, um, I got really into ordering different types of coffee. I used to be like, I'm a black coffee drinker. I drink black coffee. Um, and then I was like, well, what if I ordered a latte? What even is a latte? I did some research on coffee and then I started drinking some like almond milk lattes. And then I was like, but what's a cappuccino? And then, like, I ordered a cappuccino once, and then I was like, well, but what if I want black coffee, but I know how I, how espresso feels really good in my body, and I want that espresso, like, buzz, you know what I'm talking about? So then I started ordered, ordering Americanos, and now I'm an, an Americano drinker, and I kind of took this roundabout way to learn something about myself through experimentation, and that's play. That, to me, as an adult, is playful, and allowing space to try something new, even if you don't like it. And so that's fun. Another idea in terms of a different place is try a different grocery store. Just see, maybe you're like a whole foods person and you're going to check out Trader Joe's. Um, I don't know, maybe you're going to find a new product on the shelf that you've never tried before and you're just, you're going to try it. You're going to get out of your routine. You're going to go to a new place. You're going to try something new. That can be playful. Okay, my next piece of advice, we're kind of just going rapid fire here, is make friends, but don't put too much pressure on yourself. So this is something that I'm actually really bad at 
is approaching somebody and like saying hi. If somebody approaches me and they're like, oh, hey, I like your shirt or like, oh, like I got that coffee order or that salad last week. It's really good. I'm like on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, thanks so much. I, I like your headband or, oh my gosh, like, thanks for the recommendation. You know, I'm like trying to not eat dairy. And so I like that this salad like has avocado I don't know whatever it is I'm really quick to jump in on somebody else initiating or sparking up the conversation and my friends all laugh at me and they're like you could talk to paint drying and have a fun time which is probably why I have a podcast and I'm like talking into the abyss of maybe nobody listening but I enjoy it um it's really hard for me to be the one to initiate and strike up a conversation and so that's my advice to you is try to do that and try to make friends because you never know who you're going to meet that either A, has like a really cool story that you can hear and learn something from or maybe some fun piece of advice or maybe like a little spark of inspiration or maybe they're interested in something and you go do that with them and that's like part of a friendship. Um, like that's kind of how I got back into rock climbing when I lived in Virginia is I downloaded one of those apps to make friends and hung out with this one girl and her and I would go rock climbing together and I had only gone rock climbing a handful of times and so had she and so we both picked up a new form of play um, together and there was accountability and there was fun and we had conversation and it was like lighthearted and I haven't talked to her ever since I moved from Virginia but I didn't put pressure on it and I think that's that's okay it got me back into rock climbing um, I heard of this thing where it's like you have different types of friends you have like the friends that you vent to, you gossip to, you have like the friends that you go out and party with, you have the friends that help you stay accountable to your healthy habits, you have the friends who've been part of your life your whole life and you couldn't imagine life with them, and then you have the friends that you just do things with. You have very similar interests and you go do things with those friends. So like an example for me is one of my closest friends who I've known my whole life, you would never see her rock climbing love you, you know who you are, but like, you're, you'll be the fr my, a friend for the rest of my life, but we have different interests in terms of like physical play. She likes to take long walks in nature. I like to top rope a distance, tw you know, 20 times the height of my body and hope to God I don't fall. I have another friend who has been in my life for a short period of time and her and I go rock climbing probably two to three times a week. That's playful to have different people in your life that promote different elements of play. Um, so that's why one of my pieces of advice is make friends with somebody who you're going to go do things with because A, it makes it more fun. It also holds you accountable and I think we just, we, we thrive when we have community. So make friends and again, hold space and have some grace into allowing those opportunities to even exist. Find yourself in an energetic state where you're open to that opportunity and you're attracting people into your circle or into that coffee shop that are also going to be open 
to either initiating the conversation or being receptive when you initiate the conversation. Okay, my next piece of advice is find micro moments. So I think sometimes we make the excuse of like, we don't have enough time to commit an hour on a Thursday night after work to go do whatever the thing is. Or we don't have enough time to go skiing on a Saturday because like, whatever, we've got other plans, kids, work, whatever. Micro moments. Micro moments. So like an example is like you're making dinner. It's a Tuesday night. You're making tacos. You always make tacos on Tuesday, but you find a micro moment where you like play some, you know, Mexican restaurant music and you're dancing around your house and you put a fedora on your head pretending it's a sombrero and like who the F cares? You're just having a really fun time in the 10 minutes it takes you to make a taco. That's a micro moment. That, I think, as an adult, is very playful, and you're probably rolling your eyes like, Marissa, you're freaking crazy. Yep. Mm -hmm. We're holding grace and space to allow ourselves to play, and this is what it looks like. Um, another micro moment is like maybe you're driving home from work and you put on like an old 90s feel good song or like some early 2000s hip hop and you just have a little karaoke sesh all by yourself in your commute to work. That's playful. Another idea is use play as your form of physical movement or exercise throughout your week. So as an OT, we talk about purposeful, engaging occupations. You know, physical play is a really big one that we kind of incorporate in our therapy sessions. There's a lot of health benefits to being physically active. It's not the podcast for that, so I'll just that's my statement there. But using play as a way to get in that daily movement. It doesn't mean you're going to the gym and you're running, you know, six miles on the treadmill and it sucks, but maybe you are just moving your body in a new way. You're going to try a new yoga class and that's playful. Or maybe you're just going to dance around your living room while you wait for like the dishwasher to be finished so that you can unload the dishwasher. And that's movement and that's playful. You're also like reducing time to fit this in because you should be trying to get at least some physical activity in on most days. And so you're kind of like double dipping and by making it playful, you're getting in that play, you're getting in some laughter, you're moving your body, you're releasing all those feel good hormones and endorphins, and you're actually probably more likely to stick to whatever physical activity it is because it's really fun. Um, Maybe this also looks like re-engaging in a sport that you used to do in high school. So maybe it's a pickup league. Maybe you're going to join your local fitness center and start swimming laps because you used to be a swimmer. Or, um, I don't know, maybe you're going to go take a salsa dance class because you always wanted to be a dancer but was always too afraid, but you're just going to try it. Anything that is physically moving your body is really, really healthy and 
can help to elicit those feel-good, positive, reinforcing neurochemicals in your brain that are also positively reinforcing the fact that you just tried something new. Maybe you were goofy and made a fool of yourself, but you had fun when you were doing it, so then you're going to be more likely to keep doing it, to keep putting yourself out there and trying because it feels good when you do. So that's why I think like trying to pair play and physical activity can be really beneficial in more um, more likely to be sustainable because you're kind of, you know, the whole two birds, one stone. Okay, let's say all of the things that I just mentioned above are just too spontaneous for you. You have your routine, you know, it all sounds great and dandy, but you're like, oh man, I was in the coffee shop and I forgot to compliment somebody's shirt and I didn't spark up a conversation. Or, you know, like I was driving home from work and I was on autopilot and I just totally didn't even think about creating this micro moment, right? Because you have your habits and your routines and there's maybe a reason why you're not incorporating play as an adult because it's that, again, that initiation or creating something new and like sometimes we are on autopilot. And so doing things that are a little bit more spontaneous can just be hard if it's not something that you're used to. So my next piece of advice is schedule it in. If it takes a reminder on your phone, writing it down on your calendar, schedule it in. Even if it's like 30 minutes on a Saturday afternoon, you're literally going to like research, you know, a new place to get lunch and you're going to create a reminder on your calendar, an alarm on your phone, and you're going to let, you know, your roommate know like, hey, I'm going to be gone Saturday afternoon. You don't even need to let them know what you're doing. Um, and you, you go out and you're uncomfortable and it's, it's awkward and you try something new, but it was scheduled. So you made it happen. And I think this is where you also need to be able to hold yourself accountable to doing the things you say you're going to do. Um, because at the end of the day, the only person really holding you accountable to the things that are going to improve your life, it's you. And if play is one of those things that you think is going to improve your life, which 99.9%, I can almost guarantee you that it's going to be, then that's on you to create that space and that time to go do it, whatever it is. My last piece of advice kind of goes along with that self-accountability, and that is boundaries. Boundaries with other people and boundaries with yourself gives you the freedom to allow space for the spontaneous. And a lot of people think like boundaries are super restrictive. And I went through like, what is a boundary, how to create boundaries in my part two episode when we talked about burnout. Um, And boundaries was a big thing that I had recommended when it comes to preventing burnout um, or kind of bouncing back from burnout. And so this is also going to be my piece of advice here when we talk about play as an adult is you need boundaries in your life that are setting up opportunities to have unstructured free time. 
very much like as a child would go through like their school-based schedule and they have boundaries around their day in which they are allotted a certain amount of time for playtime or recess or after-school extracurriculars. Create that in your life and create that mindset of like, this is who I am. I'm a playful person. I do this thing. I do that thing. I'm the kind of person who tries out a new coffee shop every Sunday morning. That's what I do. It's creating not only that like self-narrative and that positive mindset, but the boundaries allow for that freedom of space to either have that mindset or have the time to do the things that you want to do that are playful. Um, if that makes sense. It makes sense in my brain. Um, so anyways, those are ways to play more as an adult. And when in doubt, watch your kids play. Watch the kids in your life play. If you're listening to this podcast episode, it's obviously because you have kids in your life, whether you're a clinician, a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a teacher, whomever, watch them play. Watch them laugh, watch them roll on the floor, watch them not give two flying Fs what's going on around them, and learn from that. Learn from them, because what they have in them, that playfulness, you gave them that. That was a part of you that you passed on to them, whether it was genetically, whether it was just by having a space, creating a space for them to play, in your presence, that is still part of you, right? Like we all still have this inner, playful, spontaneous, childlike being that's within us. We just have to like scrape away the responsibility and the time commitments and the, you know, the fixed mindset and all of that, like scrape it away, like was it Michelangelo scraped away the statue of David to find what was hidden beneath? That's how you find your inner playful being. Um, anyways, okay, that's my advice on how to facilitate and encourage play within kids, and then also how to make space and ways to create more play in your life as an adult. I really hope that you liked this whole series about play. It's a lot of episodes. I batched most of them all in one day. So, um, yeah, here we are. I'm going to set the microphone down and I'm going to go do something that's playful of my own because we're creating that space and grace. And that's, I'm, we're, we're all in this journey together. And I think we all need a little bit more play and spontaneity and laughter in our life. So this is your sign to go find that. All right. Until next time, bye. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, this podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the potential need for skilled and individualized therapeutic services. Please consult your pediatrician or occupational therapist for specific questions about your child. Similarly, these are my personal and professional views and opinions. If something I say does not feel right to you or is different from what you have learned, please follow your own intuition and learning quest. And remember, science and language are always changing and growing. I will try my best 
to stay as up-to-date as possible, but I myself am always learning. If you have any follow-up questions or requests for future podcasts, feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram at OT underscore with underscore Marissa. See you soon.